Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for that, Shelby. That was uh, beautiful. I appreciate that. Well, if you uh, have a Bible, let's uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Can we do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I, uh, I will say this about uh, my hiring of Brother Mike and Shelby. Um, it was not the worst ministry decision I ever made. So that's something right there, right? Uh, in all seriousness, they have been, were a tremendous help and blessing to our ministry. Um, you can go there right now. It's about 1125. Um, Pastor Tyler is preaching probably right now. And you can see people uh, sitting in the auditorium um, that were reached through the ministry Brother Mike and Shelby, and uh, they uh, were a blessing, and I know that they are a blessing here. Uh, one, of, uh, one of Brother Mike's strong points is how he preaches the Bible. He preaches the Word of God, and he does it uh, next chapter, next verse. Uh, that way, you know, he doesn't have an opportunity to get off on a bunch of silly stuff. Uh, if it's in the text, preach it. Uh, if it's not, leave it alone. And I appreciate that about uh, Brother Mike and, and just his love for the Word and the way that he handles the Word. It is a joy to uh, be with you today. And as uh, Pastor alluded to a moment ago, I do want to encourage you uh, to be back tonight because this is uh, going to be a message in two parts. Now, to be honest with you, I could preach it all this morning. But I figured you'd want to be eating lunch before 2 o'clock this afternoon. Can I get a witness right there? Yeah. So really what I did was I took the advice of, of one of our dear ladies at home. A few years ago, I had showed up on uh, Sunday morning, and I was uh, just kind of milling around in the, the foyer there as folks were coming in, just welcoming folks and talking to folks and she walked up to me and she said, um, Pastor, I don't know if you know this or not, but you have a piece of tissue on your neck. Well, I didn't know it. I forgot about that. Um, and so I thanked her for that. I, I took it off, obviously, and I explained to her why it was there. And I told her that that morning at home, while I was shaving, I was thinking about my message, and I cut my neck. And uh, so we, we went on about our business and uh, went through the morning, and after church, again, we're out in the foyer, and she came up to me and said, Pastor, I've, I've, got, I've got an idea for you. Okay, let's hear it. Well, I guess she thought maybe I'd preached a little long that, that morning. She said, hey, how about next Sunday while you're shaving, instead of thinking about your message and cutting your neck, why don't you think about your neck and cut your message? And so I have taken her, her advice, and um, I am cutting the message. And so that's why we will do it in, in two parts uh, this morning, and, and I do hope that, that you will uh, be back uh, with us tonight. Let me, let me begin our time together this way. 
There are three basic problems that are common to all of us. It doesn't make any difference who we are. It doesn't make any difference our walk in life, our station in life. Um, these three things are common to every single one of us, and they are sickness, sorrow, and suffering. And as long as we live in this fallen world, we're going to have to deal with all three of those things. Sometimes we will deal with them indirectly as they come into the lives of people that we know and love. Let me just take a moment here at this point to put in a little plug for uh, a book that the Lord has allowed us to uh, put much of this material uh, that you will hear this morning will be in this book. There's, there's stuff in here that uh, will not uh, be brought out this morning or this evening. Um, but a couple of years ago, um, Dr. Paul Chapel, Lancaster Baptist Church, uh, heard me present uh, some of this material, and he approached me after the service and said, Brother Prater, we've got to get that in print. And so a couple of years ago, we were able to get everything finalized, and uh, come up with this 77-page mini-book uh, of the title, How to Get Through What You'll Never Get Over, Walking Through Grief by the Grace of God. And uh, we have been privileged to, to put thousands and thousands of these in the hands of uh, Bible-believing Christians all over, all over the nation, and we're thankful for that. And one of, the, one of the, the, the ways that so many people have used this little book is when they encounter somebody who's going through grief. And I don't know if you found this to be true for you, but I've certainly found this to be true for me. Sometimes you just don't know what to say. And consequently, we end up saying some, some pretty silly things. Things that to us, you know, may make sense, but believe me, to those who are suffering, they're just empty. They're hollow. And sometimes they're even almost, um, almost, it almost comes across as uncaring and unloving. But here's what a lot of people have found with, with these little books. They're only $5, and a lot of folks have uh, chosen to get three or four of these and keep them on hand just for these types of experiences. But when we encounter someone who's going through suffering, uh, it's so much easier to say this. You know, we had a pastor and his wife in our church recently. Um, I don't know what you're going through, but they, they know what you're going through. And they were in our church recently, and they shared their heart with us about their own journey through grief. And they put a lot of that material in this little book. And I just want you to have this book um, if you get a chance to read it, I hope it'll be a help to you and I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Listen, that is so, so much better than, again, some of the things that, that some people say. But anyway, we'll be at the back. If, if you haven't picked up your free copy, the church is providing a free copy for everybody here today. I hope you'll pick that up. Uh, if you want others, we can, we can process it through a, a credit card or, or check or cash, whatever you want to do. But sometimes we're going to encounter sorrow, sickness, and suffering as they come into the lives of other people. 
But then there may be a time when we have to deal with those three things directly. And such was the case with our family on September, excuse me, this, this isn't working, Brother Mike. Maybe because it's got to be on. Such was the case for our family back on February the 6th of 2018. It was a Tuesday night, probably about 7.30 that evening. I was sitting in our, our bedroom. I was sitting up in bed in our bedroom. Katie was out in the living room. I had my phone beside me and it rang and I looked down and it said, Sheena. Well, that's our daughter-in-law. And she never called me. She always called Katie. And so here, here was my first thought. My first thought was TJ has left his cell phone in a deer stand again. And so he's having to use Sheena's phone. And so I answer it and it's Sheena. And she said, is Katie there? And I said, yes, she is. And she said, will you get her? I need to talk to you guys. And so I put the, the phone on hands-free and went out into the living room and through her tears, the first three words that came out of Sheena's mouth were, TJ is dead. TJ was our oldest son. He was our firstborn. He was 35 years old. Uh, he was working on his pickup in, in the, the driveway and nobody really knows for sure what happened other than we're, we're pretty confident that he died immediately, for which we're thankful. TJ left behind his beautiful wife, as you can see there, his beautiful wife, Sheena, and those incredibly gorgeous three daughters, Mallory Page is on the ground there. She's the oldest. Ellie Grace, uh, Mallory was seven at the time. Ellie Grace, in her daddy's arms, was about three years old. And Callie Mae, in her mama's arms, was six months, almost seven. Not long after TJ's death, Katie and I began to pray that God would bring someone into Sheena's life that number one, would love the Lord like TJ did. Number two, would love her like TJ did. And number three, love those girls like TJ did. We knew that there, nobody could ever replace our TJ. But we knew that Sheena needed and those girls needed a husband and a daddy. And it's an incredible story of how God answered our prayer and brought Derek and Boston in to Sheena and the girls' lives. And, and we are so thankful that he has done that. Um, he does love Sheena with all of his heart and he loves those girls and he leads that family spiritually just like TJ did and leads them to church every time the doors are open just like TJ did. And, and we couldn't be more thankful 
for God and, and how he answered um, our prayers. There is so much I'd love to tell you about that guy on the screen. Um, he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal person. As I said, he loved the Lord. Um, they, he served the Lord and led his family to serve the Lord in the little church there in, in Burden, Kansas, which is about 15 miles north and east of Winfield. Um, he, he was a successful businessman in Winfield. He was a barber. Um, why in the world he would become a barber, <laughs> I have no idea. But uh, he, he was very successful, very involved in the little community there of Burden. He served on the school board there. He was a trustee in his church. Um, he was involved, very heavily involved in his community. He was involved in, in the lives of a lot of the young people there uh, in the community. And uh, I, I generally sum it up by saying this. At the time of his death, TJ was everything that a, a Christian mom and dad could possibly hope that one of their kids would become. He wasn't perfect. I'm not saying that. He was not perfect by any means. But he loved God, and he loved his family, and he was just, uh, to know him was to love him. He was just an all-around good guy. Needless to say, that night changed our lives forever. Our lives will, will never be the same. And though the initial brokenness of our loss has subsided, the shockwaves of pain are something that we still experience. And in some ways, we'll always experience at certain times during the year for the rest of our lives. Times like Thanksgiving and Christmas, Mother's Day, Father's Day. We'll experience it every December 3rd, which is his birthday, and every February the 6th for the rest of our lives. I want to read some verses here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and then we'll get into the first part of the message this morning. As I said, we'll wrap it up this evening. But here's what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, it is not expedient, that word means profitable, uh, for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He said, I knew a man in Christ above or, or more than 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. 
For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest, verse 7, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, this, this thorn in the flesh, and we don't know what it was. There's a lot of speculation as to what it may have been, but we really don't know what it was that had come into Paul's life that had brought him so much uh, pain and so much suffering. But whatever it is, he said there in verse 8 that he asked God three times to take it away. And he said unto me, that is, God said to me, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. The first thing that I want to share with you this morning when it comes to walking through grief, and it's one your pastor had, had already mentioned, it's simply this, you don't have to get over it. A good friend of mine, Brother Dean Herring, pastors in, in Kuna, Idaho, also went through a tragic loss of, uh, of a grandson. And shortly after hearing of, of our tragedy, Brother Dean reached out to me via, via text message. And he said, Bill, I just want to share three things with you, and I hope that they will help you as much as they helped me. He said, number one, you don't have to get over it. Number two, you can't get over it. And number three, God doesn't require you to get over it. Now, I want you to think with me for a minute. Assuming that Paul received this thorn in the flesh immediately or soon after uh, receiving these revelations that, that he received from the Lord, that means that at the time that he wrote this second letter to the Corinthians, that he had dealt with it, whatever it was, for at least 14 years. And I stand to be corrected this morning, but I don't read anywhere in the scriptural record that God ever took that away from Paul. I believe personally that had God taken it away, then Paul certainly would have written about it and rejoiced with it. But I don't read that anywhere in here where God ever took it away from him. And so I think it's safe for us to say this morning that Paul had to deal with his thorn in the flesh for the rest of his life. So he never got over it. I'll say this this morning, the concept of getting over it 
is a misleading and empty expectation. And then catch this, we get over breaks and sprains. We don't get over amputations. Last summer, I was mowing my grass as I do every week. And I'm just mowing along. I've got my, my, my uh, AirPods in. I'm listening to music. I'm just enjoying the day. I enjoy cutting the grass. And so, man, I'm just out there mowing along when all of a sudden I stepped wrong and I twisted my ankle. I mean, listen, I'm 63 years old. I don't need to be doing that. And I, I bent that sucker over, and I just immediately fell to the ground, writhing in pain. It hurt really, really bad. And I just sat there grasping my, my ankle and just kind of rocking back and forth. Oh, this hurts so bad. But, you know, eventually I was able to get up, and though I walked with a limp for for just a a minute or so, I was finally able, if you will, to shake that off. And I got over it, and I just kept mowing my grass. But let's say that I were to get a, a cut in my foot, and that cut got infected, and that infection began spreading rapidly up my leg, And the only way to save my life would be to amputate that leg just above the knee. How many of you would agree with me this morning that that's not something that I could just walk off? That's not something that I could just shake off. The truth of the matter is, I would never, ever get over that. Because every single morning, I would wake up with a nub. I would be reminded of that every single day. So would you agree with me this morning? I would never get over that. And it's the same with a loss like the one our family suffered. And perhaps some of you have unfortunately suffered. Or someone you know has suffered. That's an amputation. Are you with me? A part of you is gone. And you will never get over that. But I'm thankful this morning that even though there are others who'll say, well, it's okay, you're gonna be all right, you'll get over it. I, I, I can tell you this, when somebody says that to you, here's what that means, they've never walked that path. They've never been down that road. And I'm not saying that to be judgmental or unkind. I'm just being real this morning. You've, you've, you want to say this, you've never been there. But I, just, I try to be kind, and most of the time I'm kind. But I'm just telling you, you don't get over a loss like that. I, I heard it explained this way. We don't get over, we don't look at people around us who, who are enjoying the joys of life and tell them to get over it. For example, let's, let's say some friends of yours are blessed with a, a birth of their first child. And so you go to the store and you get a, a nice card and you write a 
congratulatory note in that card and, and you give them that card and you're celebrating the birth of that child. But let's say it's five years later and you're standing at the counter at the house and you're just going through the mail like you do every day and you come across this, this little card and so you open the card and it's an invitation to that child's fifth birthday party. Who's gonna look at that card and say, are you kidding me? Another birthday party? Okay, you've got a kid. You've had him for five years. You just need to get over it. Who would do that? Nobody. We don't expect people to ever get over the birth of a child. So why would we expect them to get over the death of one? Or any other kind of death as far as that goes. Helping others, as, as we have been trying to do since that fateful day in our life, helping others understand that they don't have to get over it will deliver them from the unrealistic expectations of people who mean well. And for the most part, I think they really do mean well, but they've never walked their a man by the name of Jerry Sitzer lost his daughter and his mother and his wife all in the same car wreck. And in his book, A Grace Disguised, he writes this, can anyone really expect to recover from such tragedy considering the value of what was lost? and the consequences of that loss. Catastrophic loss, by definition, precludes recovery. It will transform us or destroy us, but it will never leave us the same. There is no going back to the past, which is gone forever, only going ahead to the future, which is yet to be discovered. Whatever that future is, it will and must include the pain of the past with it. Sorrow never entirely leaves the soul of those who have suffered a severe loss. If anything, it may keep going deeper. My friend, I mentioned a moment ago, Brother Dean Herring uh, writes a blog and on the anniversary of his grandson's death, he wrote this, this is so good. The notion that suddenly or eventually the sorrow somehow dissipates is a fable that has been created by the empty slogans of people who have never suffered deep loss. Why do we feel ashamed of sorrow as though it's some sort of leprous emotion? Why do we hide our tears when our Savior wept openly at the death of a friend? The ability to sorrow and weep is a gift from God 
and is a sure sign of a living heart and a greater love. The pain remains and the tears come like rogue waves. But God has somehow enabled us to live through the unthinkable. We're here. We live on in our sorrow and with our pain. We live in his grace. So let's understand first of all this morning when it comes to the grief of loss. God doesn't require us to get over. But here's the second thing I want you to understand because I I, I don't ever want somebody to just check out right there and say, well, I don't have to get over it. Because at the same time, I don't think that we ought to live the rest of our life shutting everybody else out and and just living in our own little uh, uh, world of of self-pity and and bitterness and anger and and hate. That's not what we should do. Because listen, church, we can get through it. No, we will never get over it. But we can get through it. Now, sometimes people think of of getting over a loss as though they're, they're supposed to just move on. Hey, you need to just move on. And it's almost like they're telling us, hey, just move on like it never happened. You know, just shut the door behind you and and pretend the pain away. But those of you who have been there, you will agree with me this morning, it's not that easy. (laughs) It's just not that easy. And that's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about getting through a loss, here's what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about that time that eventually comes. And and please understand this, that time is different for everyone. It's even different for, for, for different people in the same family whether it's TJ's wife or TJ's mom or TJ's dad or TJ's brother or sister. It's different for everyone. But I'm talking about a time that eventually comes when someone accepts the horrible event that has brought them so much grief and sorrow and with the Lord's help, They find the strength to move forward in life despite the loss and pain. Say, Pastor Prater, will that day ever come in my life? I believe it will. I think I can safely say this morning that it has come in our life. Our son's gone. I don't say that flippantly this morning, but he is. He's not coming back. Just last night, a memory. A memory popped up on Katie's Facebook page. And we must have been headed to burden. 
Teacher said, Mama, can't wait to see you in a little while. We'd give anything in the world to see that boy again. And we will. But I mean like in this life. We'd give anything in the world. But we've accepted the fact that's not going to happen. TJ's gone. We're not going to see him again in this life. Let me tell you something. A sense of closure comes. And it's come for us. When someone finally allows themselves to accept the reality that what was done is done and nothing will bring back the past or undo the damage. Though Paul never got over his thorn in the flesh, I do believe, and I think I've I've got ample biblical proof for the fact that he did get through it. That is, that he did come to accept it. And he did come to find the strength to move forward in his life in spite of it. And I say that partially because of what we read in verse 9. He said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And beyond that, church, just think with, with, with me about all of, of the incredible things that Paul accomplished in his ministry. All of the churches that he started all of the teaching and preaching that he did, all of the souls, the countless number of souls that are in heaven right now because Paul did get through his, his, his pain, though he never got over it. Does that make sense? He was able to say, okay, Lord, if this is my lot in life, if, if this is what you have for me, that I'm going to accept it and I'm going to move on the best I can. And that's all I'm talking about when I talk about getting through it. I'm not talking about never hurting again, never crying again, never experiencing pain again, never having doubt again, never having questions again. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the fact that we, we, we move on through life. Listen, Sheena and TJ would have recently celebrated their, which anniversary, you remember? 17th, uh, 17th anniversary. And just recently, Sheena posted about that on Facebook. I promise you that she went that whole, through that whole day in pain. Yes, she's thankful that God brought Derek. But Derek's not TJ. Derek's a wonderful father to those girls. But he's not their daddy. And I promise you that she wept that day. 
and wish like crazy that TJ was still alive. So I'm not saying that we get past that part of things. No, because we're human. But again, we, we do find the strength with the help of the Lord to move on. Here's a, a third thing, truth that I'll share with you this morning. And then we'll, uh, we'll come back this evening and wrap it up. And I'll be honest with you, this one, is, this one can be a bit heavy. Um, but it's true. And it's this, God is sovereign. You say, well, what does that mean? I, I don't know what that word means. To say that God is sovereign means that he has the power and the wisdom and the authority to do or allow anything he chooses with his creation. God is the creator, we are the created. To put it in, in terms we might understand better, God's the boss. You have a boss, most of you have a boss. The boss says, do this. You say, well, I don't understand why I need to do that. Well, it doesn't matter whether you understand it or not, I'm just telling you, do this, and do it this way. All right, that's kind of a simplification of the sovereignty of God. And I'm not saying God's not cruel. He's not an ogre. He's not like some of your bosses, perhaps. But it, it means that God, God rules. And so here, here's what that means in some very practical terms this morning. And if you, if you don't get all of this and you don't understand all of this, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it right now. But in, in very practical terms, here's what it means when we say that God is sovereign. It means that he's free to do whatever he wants to do. It means that he has the right to deal with us any way he chooses. It means he doesn't have to treat us like he treats our neighbors. That means if he chooses to rain on their crops and you're a quarter mile down the road and it doesn't rain on your crop, well, that's life. That's, that's what happens. It means that he doesn't have to treat us today like he treated us yesterday. But perhaps most importantly, let's understand this. It means that he's not obligated to live up to our expectations or to explain himself. Why? Because he's God. That's who he is. You say, well, I thought he was kind and loving. Oh my, he is more kind and loving than you and I could even begin to imagine. The fact that he's sovereign does not do anything to eliminate the fact that he's everything else the Bible says he is, kind and gracious and forbearing and, and forgiving and, 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 and merciful. And again, if, if, you, if, if right now you can't put all of this together in your mind, don't, don't let that ruin 
some other truth that you've received this morning. As you look back at our text, Paul knew that at, that at some level, this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, um, came as a part of Satan's attack upon his life. The messenger of Satan to buffet me is how Paul referred to it. But he also recognized, and I don't know how many times I'd read this passage of Scripture, have even preached from the passage of Scripture, and never caught this until I was reading it in the context that I'm giving you today. A word there just flew off the page at me. And, and, and this light came on about the sovereignty of God. Yes, yes, Paul understood that, that, that it was the, the messenger of Satan, but he also recognized that in a larger sense, that it only came into his life because God allowed it to come into his life. So we're preaching, what's that word? The word is given. He said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. That means that it wasn't, it wasn't just a stroke of bad luck. It wasn't happen chance. It wasn't fate. It was by divine design. So preacher, I don't understand that. Oh, listen, there, there are a lot of things about God I don't understand. Now, let me say this. The truth of God's sovereignty is not something that you want to approach somebody with right off the bat after a loss. <laughs> Even though I believe what I just shared with you, I've taught it, I believe it. Had somebody come up to me the day after TJ's death and started talking to me about those things, I would have been like, buddy, you need to back up or I'm gonna throat punch you. That's, this isn't something that we just wanna, oh, you know God's sovereign and blah, 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 blah. It's like, eh, cool your jets there, Turbo. That's not something we wanna, wanna throw at them from the start. But I will say this this morning, church, the sooner that we can come to grips with these truths, the better. And here's why. Because tragedy will challenge everything. Are you listening? Everything that you've ever believed about God. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've, you've been a Christian. I don't care how many times you've read your Bible through. I don't care how many sermons you've sat through. I don't care how many sermons you've preached. I'm telling you that when a tragedy like ours comes into your life, when it strikes truths that you assumed that you stood firm on, that you would never doubt simple truths like God is good, and God is faithful, and God cares for me. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, 
if at least but for a, a brief moment, those things suddenly feel questionably, questionable. But here's the truth today. Don't miss this. If you've grounded your faith and your belief in the Bible, though your whole world may change, the truth about God and who he is will not change. And that truth will be your firm foundation even in the worst of storms. So very practically speaking, here's what that means. God was good and faithful and caring the entire 35 months or year, 35 years, two months and three days before our son died. And he's still those things today. And I'm just going to be real transparent with you here. I don't say that this morning because I feel it. Because there are some days, I hope you don't think ill of me, but there are some days I just don't feel it. I'm so, oh, but you're a preacher. I'm also a daddy. I'm also a human. And there are some days when I just don't feel it. And I'm thankful that on those days, even though I don't feel it, it's still true. How do you know it's true? Because it's in this book. And if I can't believe that part of the Bible, then I can't believe any part of the Bible. If that part of the Bible's not true, then how do I know about how do I know the parts about salvation are true? We don't get to pick and choose which parts of the Bible we believe are true. It's either all true or it's none of it's true. And understand this today, the time to get these things nailed down in your heart are now, right now, before tragedy strikes. And I always say this, and I preach this from, from coast to coast and border to border, and some places this just doesn't register with folks. It'll register with you. Trying to get these things straight and trying to come to grips with these things in the midst of tragedy would be like trying to build a storm shelter in the midst of a tornado. <laughs> That's the wrong time, right? It's a little late. You need to get that sucker built like right now, today, while the weather's nice. Because if we know anything out here, it could be nasty by three o'clock this afternoon. And so the time to get these things straight in our hearts is now. 
I told the folks in, in the Bible study time this morning that Katie and I still struggle. We still grieve. Five and a half years later, we still grieve. But we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Our hope today is in the Bible and words like, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're confident that TJ's in heaven today, not because he was raised in a Christian home, not because his mom and dad were, were in the ministry, not because he went to a Christian school, not because he was baptized, not because he memorized Bible verses. TJ's in heaven today because there came a time in his life when he understood that he was a sinner and that he needed a savior and that he couldn't be baptized and be saved. He couldn't memorize scripture and be saved. He, he couldn't get into heaven on the coattails of his preacher daddy. He had to have his own relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And as a teenager, he placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And our hope of heaven today, our hope of seeing him again is in his salvation. So let me ask you today, have you come to that place in your own life when you realized I'm a sinner and there's not enough religious things I can do to make up for that. I am a sinner and I need a savior. And I have loved ones that I believe are in heaven and I wanna, I wanna see them again. And so I wanna have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ too because I wanna go to heaven. And I might even ask it like this this morning. Had it been you underneath that pickup that night, would you be in heaven right now? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, my wife, myself, Brother Mike, Miss Shelby would love to visit with you about that. Even today, we'll... we'll We'll step into a room over here somewhere and talk about that. If not, just let Pastor Mike know. Preacher, I, I want to talk to you about that because I need to know. And I know he'd be more than happy to visit with you about that. Let's stand together this morning in prayer. I hope that this has been helpful today. I've just tried to be honest and transparent and just share some things that, that we have learned along the way through things that, that we've heard, things that we've read. Some of these things God has just revealed to us uh, in our own times of, of, of grief and sorrow and pain and hurt. And I hope that maybe some of it's been a help to you today. I can tell this has been raw for some of you today. And I get that. 
But please know, it's, it's not, it was not my purpose today to rip a Band-Aid off an old scar. But I know I probably did at some point. But I want you to know that God loves you and He's aware of your pain. He's aware of your grief. And He can be a very present help in time of trouble. If my wife or I can help you this morning, visit with you, pray with you, Please do not think, well, I don't want to be a bother. You are not a bother. That's why we're here. You say, well, I just need to share my story with someone who understands. That's us. And we'll we'll take as long as you want to hear your story. Because I'll tell you this, one of the most therapeutic things for me personally is for somebody to just listen to me. Talk about our son. He was such an awesome boy. Loved his mom. Sometimes I just, I just need to brag about him a little bit. So I get it. I get it. Say, so, well, preacher, I'm mad. I don't think you want to hear that. I'm good. I'm good. You're not going to tell me anything I haven't heard. You're mad. Just let me have it. I'm I'm serious. Just let me have it. And then we're going to hug and we're going to pray together. I'm going to trust God to get you through. Heavenly Father, I pray today for especially those this morning who are obviously hurting. God, my heart is knit with their heart right now. And oh, we can hurt together. Lord, I pray for others here today who have not experienced personally this kind of sorrow, that you would help them to take these things to heart, to tuck them away in their heart and in their mind so that if that day comes, they'll have something to draw from. And even right now, I pray that they would be able Maybe to take a book or two to some friends at work, maybe some neighbors, maybe some family members, and they'd be able to share these truths with them that way. Thank you for the opportunity today just to to share a little bit of our heart, some things that you've taught us along the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You know, I I think one prayer you could pray this afternoon as you're processing what we've heard. There's a man in the Bible that was confronted with who Jesus was, and he prayed this prayer, and I think we all could pray this as we process the truth today. Lord, I believe, but help where I don't believe. And I think we could all pray that as we process the message today. You may be seated. I just want to quickly go over some announcements. Thank you so much. I'm going to have the Praetors go back to their table. 
and uh, I would encourage you uh, to greet them and uh, let them know that you're thankful for uh, how God's used them today.